Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. guys thanks for joining me here i am uh this is actually different than normal we're talking to a concept artist like you know <laughs> those those fancy pants so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that and uh, and i want to get to know i want to um explore <coughs> excuse me explore concept art explore uh, the role the education all of that stuff today to give you guys a sense of that and then also um you know how you my main crew the uh, the character environment artist um can interface with them in the best way possible but david D dave sorry thanks so much for joining me yeah of course thanks for thanks for uh reaching out man this is awesome yeah cool so you're at high res studios now that's correct awesome or why don't um why don't we start with like what is it that you do during um like just a normal day cool yeah so pretty much my day starts out um pretty simple um you know once once i get to the studio it's usually sync up with you know possibly art director my lead um and go over kind of like what we're looking to do for the day goals mm -hmm. we're looking to attain stuff like that um once that's kind of achieved and all the morning meetings are out of the way and everybody's awake uh, I usually move into, you know, my task schedule and do a little warm up painting. Um, and then from there, it's, it, it's kind of just, you know, fulfilling needs as we go. And half the day is spent either working on a piece or working on design challenges. And then the other half the day is kind of just spent interacting with character artists and making sure they've got everything they need to move forward in their pipeline as well. Got it. And um, how long have you been doing this? Because you're senior now, right? Yes, sir. Cool. So I've been working in in games for about the past two and a half years. Mm -hmm. But before that, that's actual working in studios. And uh, before that, it was it was mainly freelance. So I spent a lot of time working in games and freelance. Is that a common kind of career path to start freelance? Um, I don't think so. I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, like the amount of people that come out of ateliers, a lot of people that go to art schools, they want to kind of like jump into a job immediately. Um, but then again, like there's so many different people that I meet that have taken such a, a winding way in, in getting into the industry. So I've, I've met people that have came from all types of occupations and you know, skip school or, you know what I mean? Had different yeah. way of getting there. Totally. Um, what, uh, what about your education? How'd you prepare for this? So mine's, mine's a little bit different as well. So like I actually, uh, went to school for graphic design mm -hmm. and this is, oh man, back in 2007, uh, I feel super old now. Um, <laughs> Uh, I graduated and I just kind of went out into the design world. It wasn't until I want to say around 2013, 2014, 
that I started to get into illustration and digital art. Um, and that's kind of where I went from there and more so just like kind of self-taught in terms of digital work. But, you know, I was traditionally trained at a university and, you know, the fundamentals of art and stuff like that. So when it came to concept art, it was kind of just sort of a learned thing. And then, you know, when you're freelancing, you'll learn pretty quickly when you have to make money, <laughs> what decisions to make and which ones not to, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, when I talk to concept artists, sometimes there's this gap or this difference between illustration versus concept. Uh-huh. And especially in education, because, you know, illustrators have a different mindset um, in terms of how they approach projects. Do you Have you experienced that too? Yeah, so... Um... It gets interesting because I've I've been I've been hired for both positions, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's it's dependent on uh, kind of the goals of the the client or you know overall studio where how they see you fit into their pipeline. Um, can an illustrator be a concept artist? Absolutely. Can a concept artist be an illustrator? I think you kind of have to be. Um, I think illustration, you know, is, is, is more of a thing where it divides you from being a concept artist in terms of time. And that's one thing, like in a game studio, it always seems like you never have enough of. So yeah. um, illustration more so like for, for working in, in the games industry is mostly like key art, you know, the game art, the splash art, things like that are the more common illustrative jobs. Mm -hmm. And there's, to me, from what I can tell, there's very few of those positions kind of like out there. It's kind of a rare job to really get and one to kind of like covet if you actually get it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've worked with a few, um, uh, a few keyframe artists, you know, um, Mondragiev, guys like that. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, it's just, it seems like it's so cool. You just sit around and kind of play with mood all day long. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what does uh, what does a con what does a concept artist in, in games do at this point now? Uh, and partly what I'm thinking about or what I'm wondering is you know the the how 3D is becoming a big part of it too, right? And uh, I remember working what was it? Ne I was working with Neville. Oh man, yeah, this is the Green Lantern a long time ago. And uh, so Neville Page, he's uh, I forget the name of the sci-fi movie right now. Face Off. Yeah. And um, so he was doing concept, but at the same time, his concepts were actually 3D sculpts. So those were being then sent to China to become the toys. For, yeah. For, um, so what does a concept artist do now, now that, you know, there's this this encroachment almost of 3D? To me, uh, I would, it's crazy. Like, it shouldn't be viewed as an encroachment. It's... Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's just another tool to get to an end result. And right. I know a lot of guys that use tons of 3D in making their concepts because, I mean, it's getting part of the idea down, getting yeah. it out there and yeah. trying to get you to the end result. Right. Um, That's a great point, actually, to just yeah. see it as a tool. And so do you use 3D in your stuff? So I, sadly enough, I don't use enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, I've worked with a lot of great people that have helped me get to the point where I should be using it. Um, mm -hmm. I worked at a studio previously, uh, Vicarious Visions, with a, 
a great artist, Danny Williams, Point Portrait Williams. Um, Danny, I know Danny from way, way back, yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, he he taught me a whole bunch of ways to, to implement things and really schooled me on just how to really incorporate it in your process and keep it in mind if you ever need it. So um, I should be using it more. I think it's a great tool to have. Um, I just happen to be faster doing the things I do, and that's just kind of how it works right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how do you construct something then? Uh, from like uh, like a starting point? Yeah, you know, because I think that's where a lot of people use 3D. And uh -huh. uh, if you're not using 3D, then you have to have um, some solid construction uh, approaches, right? Strategies. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. So, like, are you speaking from an illustrative side or more just like uh, character design? Because I think character design, you know, because sure. some of my people, like, are in the character artist bootcamp. They always, there's always this, this occasionally this desire to design, and I try to squash that like a bug because uh -huh. because design is like, you know, this is your specialty. This is you live design. Yeah, um, but it's worthwhile. You know, how do you start? How do you begin this process? Sure, sure. So mainly for me, um, it's kind of depending on how I kind of feel that day. Um, it's 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 interesting because like uh, I have varying different processes of getting to a final result. Sometimes um, it's more gestural. You know, I'll go into painting a pose for for a character, and if it just feels right, I'll keep going down that path and keep pushing and pulling. You know, figuring out shapes where they need to go, proportions, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it starts just like uh, any other person would start on pencil and paper, where it's really a, a really light sketch, and then I go in over a block in, um, and that's after like pretty much acquiring a good gesture or a pose that's uh, kind of befitting of the character itself, and then like you know going in and and working on the broad strokes, you know, creating interesting designs with interesting shapes. And that's really where all the base of mine comes from. And I always start in black and white. So like my values are always just there for me and color mm -hmm. can can kind of emphasize any design decisions I make further down the line. Got it. Do we have anything online that walks through that a little bit? I'm trying to think. I mean, we've got some black and whites down here. I don't know if I have anything posted up there that really goes to. Well, I think I have some process stuff. Actually, I do. On the on the Nova painting, which is up near the, near the top. Mm. Your right. My right. Yep, I'm reading the order. Oh, it's uh, something's blocking the screen. There we go. I think down at the bottom there should be a process. Yeah. Okay. So, got it. Yeah, that's kind of that's pretty much how I start most of illustrations, paintings, anything. Yeah. What are some of the biggest um, kind of hurdles that you've had to uh, get over to to not just like feel comfortable with your work, but a big part of my focus is to to get that job and to be like that job candidate. 
That's a that's a really good question because I never feel like it's ever enough. <laughs> uh, and and I think that's part of being an artist. But at the same time, how do I how do I go from and how does some student go from all right, I'm ready to get a job to the reality of you're never going to feel ready, you know? Yeah. But at some point, you got to eat, you know. Hundred percent. It's it's interesting. It's like you definitely have to really hone your fundamentals. Honing your fundamentals and making sure that you have a critical eye. Um, I think over time, we all, you know, really progress in our skills. Our actual skills are something I think everybody will continue to work on. And hopefully, if you want to get better, you'll continue to learn. The thing that makes a difference is being able to have that that eye and a sense of taste, which I guess comes with a bit of time as well, you know, but having having that critical eye allows you to not just like analyze your own painting but also analyze others other people's work so that they can help you and you can help them and then you know you get better along the way and people really really covet that in a, in an occupation you know mm -hmm. what about the technical aspects like um anatomy for example it's an endless path yeah um, well, for me, it's, excuse me, I'm about to take a sip of water here. It's, it's, it's more about making sure that every day I try to get in some form of practice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, our mind is a muscle and the more reps you do, the bigger it's going to be in a, in a weird way, you know, like as many reps as I could possibly do of a thing or paint a thing or study a thing, it's just going to be ingrained in me. And, and hopefully that after the thousandth rep, you know, a hand turns out pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's just that, that constant practice, I feel, will, will eventually get you there. Do you have any tricks that kind of shorten the time frame? You know, because we hear a lot about practice. We hear a lot about 10,000 hours. But are there yeah. any tricks uh, or processes or strategies or things that you kind of do to – to either shorten that or to get you ready for a job i wish i wish i could say there there was for me mm -hmm. i know there's you know of course like right now the bet one of the greatest things you can do is have you know some pre-rendered models to throw into a scene or you know pose some models to throw into a scene or yeah. You know, especially working in a studio, most of the time you have a character in T-pose that you're essentially designing over or, you know, if there's already a character you're working on and you're just upgrading, you know, the look of something, you'll yeah. already have kind of a 3D base to work on. And those things get you to uh, a good 25% and then you just carry it the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. For me, you know, this painting in and of itself um, – just feels like a natural extension so like really saying there's any shortcuts i i wish i could <laughs> <laughs> i wish I could say there was a bunch but i just i just don't have any i wish i, I mean i hope somebody could tell me some. <laughs> we're gonna say we're gonna say the shortcut is hard work son that's the shortcut <laughs> uh all right um what about because you mentioned like it's important to develop the a critical eye and you, you talk about developing um, a sense of the aesthetic and things like that i'll talk about that but with the critical eye 
Um, how do you develop a critical eye without developing critical asshole? You know, like that part of you that's just really mean to you and just not friendly, but yet you still have to be able to look at your work and identify the problems. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing to do. I think a lot of it is building that visual library. So yes. always, be able to, you know, always being able to call back to things that you've seen that's been executed really well mm -hmm. and understanding why that's been executed really well. Mm -hmm. And to me, that I think that's the important way of developing a critical eye, or it's pretty much the same way of saying the same thing. Um, if you can, if you can kind of visualize um, the the right way of seeing something, or that might sound crazy, but um, understanding where your mistakes are quickly, that's it's it's huge. It's huge in terms of time, and it's huge in helping like others understand where you're coming from as well. Um, it's a hard thing to do. And again, like, it sounds like I'm harping on time, but I, to me, it always feels like it just like took forever to get it right. <laughs> mm -hmm. It took, it took forever to get the work right. Or what do you mean? Uh, to get like that, that sense of taste and uh, develop yeah. a, a key. Cause there's some, you know, there's some days that you, you know, you walk and you sit in front of the, the Cintiq and you're, everything you do might seem absolutely off and you can't really understand, you know, why something's not looking a certain way. Right. Um, and then the one thing that you can rely on is like, okay, at least I can understand I'm making mistakes because I can see them. Um, some days you just don't have it, you know, everybody has a rough day on art. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a rough process. Huh? So, the fact that I'm not liking my work actually is a good thing because at least I can see what's wrong. <laughs> that, that's how I look at it. <laughs> I kind of I like that. It's like, yeah, yeah, this sucks, but at least I can see it sucks, which is better than showing your work to somebody and they're like, that sucks. And you're like, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I get that. All right. It's I'll take the, I'll take the negative approach first on myself. <laughs> that way yeah. I down at the end. <laughs> Got it. Um, when you're designing more than just faces and, and you're designing clothing and there's all this stuff, what are some of the things that you do to help you kind of get a sense of the clothing and do the research, right? You know, because sometimes some of my students will go out and they'll be, they'll be making characters and it's just like the concept artists maybe have that they use maybe have indicated a couple of things, but they haven't really detailed stuff so well, how can we go out there and like really what what can we do to understand you know clothing really is kind of the key better because like i'm looking at destiny 2 for example i'm looking at um you know these these guys with the cloth draped over the side mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things it's like you know the more reference you can gather the better like reference, 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 like just have those folders of reference. And I know that sounds kind of, I, I know there's probably been a million people, a million artists that have beat people over the head with that same notion, but it's, it's really the best thing. You can't beat real life or what somebody's already created because they filled in the blank for you. Mm -hmm. Most of the time when I'm working with character artists, I still don't always match exactly what they need so then there's always that kind of like second round for draw overs right so right. 
if they need to figure something out, I'm there to support them and help them know, like, look, I can give you some more information if you this find, you know, you're finding this to be a trouble spot. Yeah. Um, but also as a concept artist, I don't, I feel personally, you should, you don't want to take away a character artist's uh, creativity. So you want to fill in just enough of the blank that they still have room to interpret and fill in things for themselves. Mm-hmm. And give them a little bit of, you know, creative influence into this thing you're making together, you know? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I always thought that there were two different kinds of concept artists. There's the, um, there's the, uh, uh, implied design like i think just justin sweet's an example of implied design Uh and then there's the more specific kind of design of neville page which is the easiest example because he's just uh, visible you know Mm -hmm. if you look at his drawings of avatar and and some of these different creatures it's like he's detailing how the gums the mouth the jaw mechanism works all that very detailed justin sweet would not be i don't think he'd be caught dead doing you know forensic stuff like that yeah so um if we look at it in the scope of this what is the role of concept art inside of games but those two examples i gave were film but what's the role of a concept artist in games it's a it's actually a combination of both really of the of the two you just mentioned because Mm -hmm. depending on depending on the character artist that or the team of character artists that you're working with um everybody has different needs some people prefer you know that they they block out the character for instance and they get the really rough shapes going and get the mood and feel of the concept yeah and then they'd like you to draw over in certain places or give you give more hints and indication of places um that you know they might have circled in a certain um screen capture for you um others you know will go almost close to 50 percent of the way and say hey how do you like this what do you think um some people need that initial concept to be painted out detailed so that you know every fabric every fold you know is there and represented and some guys can just you know hey here's the concept and then next thing you know it's like oh here it is it's done <laughs> so there's there's varying levels of requirements for you know all different levels of artists and yeah. none of them are inherently wrong or bad it's just people see things differently and that's that's kind of the most important thing for a concept artist is to be able to be that agile and fulfill all the roles required you know what i mean yeah yeah i get that um do you have any specific resources for reference like your go-to places question thomas is um so this is this is another kind of like like a cliche it's just Mm -hmm. a lot of pinterest (laughs) Uh, pinterest yeah pinterest is is really great for clothing reference and shockingly more for the the details so like straps Mm -hmm. buckles little pins all those little tiny details that you know as a character artist and a concept artist you find yourself having to look at these things because you're building something that has to be represented in a 3D world. And, you know, concept artists think design overall, where, you know, character artists are going to think more of how a thing is actually built. And right. you have to learn to merge those two thought processes and 
Pinterest somehow provides a plethora of these little things to take reference from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I use, um, I'm drawing a blank here. There's a couple other places I use. I have them saved in, in my tab, so I just click on them. So it's it's kind of like remembering cell phone numbers from the phone. Like, who remembers mm-hmm. it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I but get I would, that. Yeah, I would say Pinterest is probably my main at this point in time. Do you have any key phrases, you know, because I was thinking about um, clothing. Like, for example, uh, there was a – I was looking at not sci-fi clothing because that's weird, but tact, not tactical clothing. Um, but are there any phrases that kind of help you kind of locate reference? Not, not particularly because Pinterest, as I'm sure everybody knows – is a deep dark hole once you start looking at one image. Just one image to another image to another. Yeah, and I find myself just saving to my boards constantly. So, you know, an hour, 15, maybe a day later, I'm literally down this hole and I've kind of reached the end of the Pinterest world possibly. And yeah. now I have all the reference I need. <laughs> Got it. So how to get paid going through Pinterest. Yes, yeah. a concept artist. yes that's if that becomes a job i'm there okay good <laughs> concept artist assistant that would be the concept artist assistant's job to go down yeah, there. I would that too. okay <laughs> um somebody was asking about this idea of the um the critical eye versus the marketability and this is a surprisingly i mean i'm amazed by what's happening in the what has happened it's already happened but and it just continues to happen um, but the, the, how do I say it? The marketing angle slash the celebrity angle, uh, is, has just gone through the roof. Like I remember back in the day, uh, when I was at Pixelogic and this is like 11 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, mm-hmm. ZBrush central, the top row was like, okay, everybody wanted to get top row. Everybody wanted to get featured and all that stuff. And yeah. And there was this like celebrity culture of, of featured artists and, you know, amazing artists, <laughs> developed some you know, enormous uh, followings from that, like Chris Costa and people like that. Uh, and now today, you know, people can gumroad, they can, they create, there's all of these artists that are getting their, their art out there, establishing followings. So part of the question that we have is, you know, at, when we're thinking about what kind of art we create, you know, are we thinking about work that's marketable? Are we thinking about what's trending and and where's the purity in that with with your own interests to some extent? Do you do you get what I'm what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, of course. I think another it's another interesting topic because you know my personal take on that is make the art you love, and that will come through the final product. You know. Um, a lot of the times the, the advice is, you know, make the art you would want to make for your job. So if you're, if you're looking to create something and there's a studio you want to work at, well, make art in the vein of what that studio does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm 50, 50 on that because, you know, a lot of times studios will have multiple games at them or they might have multiple projects and you could possibly fit in in a lot of different places. Um, so with that being said, like 
in terms of popularity in in the subject matter being the popular thing, I think it's become a a huge thing amongst artists to paint something that has that subject matter that will get attention uh, because of the social media area of, era, of course, you know? So if you do something and it's executed well and, you know, you get a couple of likes here and there, that's awesome, you know what I mean? That feels good. But, yeah. you know, also know that just like, you know, just doing your own thing and enjoying what you're doing and executing on that well is just as great, you know what I mean? Like people will see in your portfolio that you're executing ideas and ideas is what you know content artists get hired for um but also it's great as a, a 3d character artist or a 3d artist in general to have those same qualities there's nothing wrong with that it's always a value to any studio or you know any future employer to have great ideas that that will never hurt any project mm -hmm. got it that makes a lot of sense, you know, not not just go for like another Thanos because that is out there, right? That's wrapped yeah, up. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's don't get me wrong. Like, as you can see in my portfolio, I've done plenty of stuff that's centralized around comic books, but that's like a passion of mine. So it was easy yeah. for me to just go and do that. Um, and it makes you put more, you know, love into whatever you're doing. So mm -hmm. by all means, just. I'll never be mad at seeing another cool Thanos on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Fair enough. Uh, that's great. Um, all right. So in terms of there's a, there was a question that came in by Rashid. Good to see you, Rashid. Um, what would be the main thing that you want a 3D artist to get right from your concept? Like what's what are you looking for a 3D artist? And the angle here that I think is kind of important, and one of the things that we recommend at the school is for the 3D artist to find concept artists and be of service to the concept artist and and really kind of like how do we help a concept artist bring their their visions into 3D? Because that is in and of itself, you know, if you find a concept that you love and you want to get in there and make it, like this becomes a path for you to be valuable. And it's almost like you build your own pipeline, right? Leticia Gillett is is the one who turned me on to this because that's it's actually how she got her job at Blizzard. When she was out of school, she just she went from concept artist, she just reached out and she made their things in 3D. And one of the concept artists that she worked uh, with was at Blizzard and basically got her a job. So Sweet. how do we you guys happy like what is it that you want to see in a 3d artist i mean it's it's i want to say it's relatively an, an easy answer it's uh -huh. it's really about hitting the feel the overall feel of the concept itself whether it's the mood the tone the attitude um not everything in a concept is going to translate to 3d and that's just that's always going to be a fact of life like it just it just doesn't work a certain way. You know, the proportions might be off. You know, the way you're presenting a concept is essentially a, just a, a great 2D visual idea. Mm -hmm. um, when you put that into actual 3D terms, it doesn't always translate the best. And, you know, if there's certain details that are in there that, you know, add to that overall tone and feel, that's always nice to have you know, that be a big part of it as well. But overall, just having the attitude and feel of the initial idea 
is is the most important thing. And there always should be an allowance for uh, creative freedom. You know, everybody should be able to express a little bit inside of someone else's idea. And it should be, you know, to make something better. Yeah, that's great. Now, when I look at your work here, there's a lot of work you, you mm-hmm. produce. Oh, man, I love that vision. Um, if how do you or what what is the approach? Basically, what I'm asking is, how do you get to the point where you're just producing and you kind of shut down that inner critic or, or maybe use the inner critic? What do you do that helps you get into flow? to just start producing? That is an awesome question. <laughs> it's, most of the time, it's it's coffee. And yeah. then <laughs> after the coffee, it's, you know, just go. Um, it's, it's kind of like an easy answer for me. Um, I like to just get into what it is I'm doing. If it's 30 to 45 minutes of starting off and I suck really bad and that's okay. Just, just keep painting. And then eventually something just, it, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Something just clicks and you're moving on for the day. Or maybe you just pick up that morning and, oh, I can, I call it see very well. I can see exactly what I'm doing, what I need to do. And it's really easy to um, kind of just get the visual design out mm-hmm. and I'm not worried about anatomy or light and it's just everything is working together well. And that's when I usually bust out the most amount of work I can. Um, other than that, like I, I, I'm really into weight training. So in the morning, you know, I, I train heavy in the morning and then I get to work and my mind is open. I don't have anything else on it and it's easy to get to work. Yeah, got it. So something physical really helps yeah, I think you got to kind of uh, balance everything in life because if we think too much on art, we, I feel like you get lost in the minutia of everything and we forget, hey man, it's just supposed to be fun at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. we get to do fun stuff. So uh, get out of your head, like whatever's going to help you get out of your head. 100%. I mean, if you, when it comes down to it, like you're still just a kid again, drawing. You know what I mean? It's just like eh, the worst case scenario. I'm I'm sitting here drawing. <laughs> <laughs> the worst case scenario, I got to draw today. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, are we ever going to be too old for that? I don't know. I hope not. I really do. I hope yeah. we can just never end drawing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> now, um, when you talked about hitting the feel or. We want to talk about the feel. Yeah. Um, I've experienced that too. It's like that moment where you get traction in a work. Uh huh. You know, um, that's that, like, that moment where things start to kind of really pull together and you're like, okay, now I kind of understand it. In the beginning, it's we have to go through this longer phase before we get the traction. But what, what, what did you used to tell yourself when you were younger, just to give yourself the encouragement to kind of keep at it? Cause you started as concept or not concept, but graphic design. So how'd you keep moving? So graphic design is a very, and I hope nobody inside the chat is a graphic designer right now. Cause I don't want to make it sound terrible, <laughs> Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a discipline where you get used to failing a lot because that's 
that is one of the things design, especially graphic design, is about. It's about failing and failing and failing until the right elements come together. And it taught me how to be patient. Hmm. So, you know, a lot of people would be like, ah, I don't like this logo. This logo doesn't work or this thing. Majority of the time uh, in design, you're going to make stuff that nobody's going to like. And that's just part of the process. So when it comes to art and painting and and getting through the, the crunch time, you just got to trust that you'll, you'll eventually get to the answer. And more often than not, you always do. Um, if you give up on it, then it's kind of like, ah, oh, well, I threw in the towel and I never got a chance to maybe have that aha moment that would have pushed me further. And that's all it really takes is that one small moment to push you over the edge to say, okay, now I get it. Now I can see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. So how do we stay in the game? What is it that helps us not give up too early? I guess is one of the things that I'm trying to wonder. I'm trying to see if we can decide or decipher something. You know, I'm also thinking about, um, I don't lift, but uh, I had a coach, a personal trainer a while back. And like that was our our thing was to, was to really just get into it. And I, I had this experience that I thought was just really crazy. It would happen occasionally. It's like you, you, it was harder to lift the weight at the beginning than it was by rep 12. By rep 12, I'm like, you know, rep 10, basically, because we would go to 12. By rep 10, there was something that would happen. I'd break through a ceiling. And I was now just like, I would just lift. And it was like lighter, almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course, of course. What, what is that? Because that barrier, it's like, it's the same damn weight as at the beginning. But in the beginning, it was like, this is freaking impossible to lift. And then at the end of it, after you've been doing it, you're like, geez, this is easy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's all a mental game, right? Like, yeah, you know, as human beings, our brain is constantly trying to tell us to stop doing something when it's uncomfortable, right? So in, in weight training, it's always like, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And after every rep, your brain's like, look, you're done. So it's, it's telling yourself, no, just keep going. There's something good after this. And the same thing applies with art. And you know, when you get stuck on something, it's like, yeah, uh, everything's telling me right now you should probably just quit. But once you go through that process, and I think you'll agree with this, like the first time you go through that and then you come out the other side with something great, you know, you just got to remind yourself, oh, this could happen every time. Like as long as I just keep going through it now, how long that time takes to get there, that's that's the part that's like you, nobody can predict. You can't really manage that. Um, but some, there's, there's definitely ways of mitigating, um, the time that you feel like you suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or making the most out of it. I I was kind of floored when the the first time that happened, I broke through that and realized how much of it was a mental game. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the, the biggest part of it is just, you know, clearing your mind and allowing you to just focus on what's in front of you, which is, you know, it's not always an easy thing to do. There's tons of distractions in the world to make you not do the thing you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Totally. What do you like about lifting? What's the thing that really motivates you there? So I've been uh, I've been weight training for, oh man, at least 15 years. And in, 
probably in the last five, four to five, I've been competing in powerlifting. And what I like about it most is that it related a great deal to my artistic process Mm -hmm. where you learn a lot about a thing and you try to understand it. And in powerlifting, you're trying to understand the movement. It's not necessarily always about how much weight you lift. I mean, the goal at the end is to lift a lot of weight, but the process in and of itself teaches you to enjoy the process the most, because if you enjoy the process, the weight comes regardless. So I always applied those those same principles to art and it's always worked out for me. It's always been a thing that has made it come easier and given me a lot of mental fortitude, especially when stuff is rough, you know, not every, not every day is the best. So yeah, it's, it's played a big, a big influence on, on how I see process because process is the thing we're in the most. It's never the end or the beginning. It's always the middle process. And I feel like there's a lot right there to unpack because that makes a lot of sense. And it's so simple when you're lifting because it's, 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 you're doing like the most basic human activity. You're lifting. Yeah. That's it. yeah. Just something off the ground. <laughs> Nothing else to it. But if you can enjoy that process and be in that moment, like I've experienced a, an, in, an intense Zen in that moment. Um, in lifting, which I think is really makes me want to get back to that, actually. Um, but, you know, if we look at it as art and in your process, there is so much because you mentioned earlier, like part of your practice is, is you you just get in and you start drawing. Yeah. Constantly drawing. Do you go like a day without drawing or what would that be like for you? So there, I also am a, a big proponent of and this is because I feel there's there's been a point where um, I've had to learn to cut back a little bit because I'll find myself working a little bit too hard and, and, and you become, I guess, a little burnt out. So I allow myself like a day or two over the weekend to just get away from art and enjoy other things um, because that's my time to kind of just like observe right so there's a time to actually be doing the drawing the painting and the sculpting but there should also be time to like you know enjoy and observe the world around you you know what i mean that's also mental reps help a ton you know it's it's the same thing like if you're out in the world and you're observing stuff and watching you know how the light plays on you know a certain stucco part of the building that's still getting in a mental rep and you're still taking in information and you never know what you come across and end up using um, once you get back to doing art again. Um, so, like, I know it's I say it's great to keep going and just draw every day, but it's also really nice to take a break and, you know, concentrate on giving yourself a time to not think so hard. You know what I mean? Just take in and observe stuff. Inspiration. Would that yeah. be? Yeah, the sum the sum of all that rambling. <laughs> <It's Yeah. pretty. laughs> I remember a friend of mine once. I was telling her this was like in the early days of me having a business, and I was, and the business is going really well. But the artist side of me was like, I hate myself, and um, I was just struggling 
with this. And one of my friends said, oh, you're just not inspired. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't been inspired in like a year plus. Yeah. Have you ever had that moment where you just lose inspiration? Yes. And I was told by an old colleague of mine um, that, and this is this is a very rough piece of evidence, but he told me that, you know, you don't need inspiration. Professionals don't need inspiration. You just go and do the work. And <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't agree with it at first, but then I, I took a step back and objectively looked at it. And I was like, you know what, you're, you're actually kind of right in a way, you know, when we have to sit down and do a thing, you don't necessarily get inspired to create it. Um, but I do think you can find bits of motivation, but you know, inspiration for me is, is huge. And I kind of don't listen to that advice at all. <laughs> there are just days where like, it's, uh, it's been a while since anything has really resonated with me. Um, and then there's some times where it just seems like it never goes away. And I think it's just a natural pattern we all kind of go through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just over the weekend. I don't know what happened on Sunday. I think it was Sunday. It might've been on Saturday. Anyways, I totally screwed up a Disneyland trip with my daughter. I went to the happiest place on the planet with my daughter, just me and her. <laughs> and we left at like three o'clock cause she was like, I'm bored. I'm like, how, how, so later on, I'm unpacking that and I'm like, what the hell happened that my daughter's like, I don't even want to be around you anymore. You know, I'm, I'm exaggerating it a little bit, but I mean, I'm at the happiest place on the planet. She can go to any ride she, was, she wants to. And she's like, no, thanks. Take me home. You know, how do, do you, do you go through those kind of modes or moods or, or whatnot? Any ways that you regulate that? I mean, I think everybody does. It's yeah. sometimes it's like, you know, there's just things you can't control. And I'm sure you definitely agree with this where most artists, you know, it, that you can't turn it off. Yeah. Uh, your mind is always thinking of the next thing or the thing after, or um, just very abstract thoughts that will lead you down the road. I mean, there's, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we get into conversations at the studio and, Say, hey, you know, aliens might exist. And then that just takes off somewhere. <laughs> and we're all sitting there drawing and we're having this huge conversation. And we don't know how we got here. I mean, it's just what we do. <laughs> That's funny. My daughter actually just asked today, do you think aliens existed? And I was like, of course. <laughs> right? Yeah, come on. What the heck? That's great. Um, all right. There's a couple of questions that come in. Uh, and this is actually, yeah, thanks Thomas for this. This is a good one. Um, uh, what is the, in the impact, not the impact, the take, what is your take on, uh, people coming in and creating your designs? So like if we come in here and we look at any of these and, and I, and, we're, and I'm a character artist and I'm like, I love your iron. Um, tell me, I did not just forget iron fist. Oh, I almost forgot his name. I'm like, I grew up on these comics. Like, I love uh, your Iron Fist, you know. Um, is it cool to make this in 3D? Um, is there any kind of problems that arise from your perspective? Or where do the problems arise? So I've, I've definitely had numerous people, you know, 
message me and say, hey, can I can I make this or can I do this? Yeah. I am I'm the type of person like go for it, man. Like I'm none of this stuff is mine. Once it reaches the internet, it is gazed upon people and it's it never longer belongs to me. You know what I mean? So yeah. like I don't I personally don't get attached to things. So if somebody were to recreate something, by all means, man, like if it helps you get to a place or you just want to make cool stuff and I helped you, that's great. Um, it it doesn't bother me at all. Great. Cool. That's the common thread I hear. Um, occasionally somebody will mention, you know, there might be corporate interests that, you know, may come and assert their will, but most concept sure. artists I find don't care. Yeah. I mean, if as as it's respectful. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, you know, if it's, if it's somebody making, you know, trying to make revenue off of somebody's, you know, IP yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Like that's obviously an issue. But other than that, I think, you know, most people just don't really bother with that. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Riley's got another really good question too about uh, standing out, you know, because we're in a marketplace that is, I, I want people to see my work, you know, mm -hmm. what are the tactics, the strategies for standing out? We talked a little bit about the idea of marketability and doing what you love earlier, but um, along those lines, like you, what kind of strategies or things that you can think of that'll just help artists stand out from the crowd? Yeah, yeah, of course, man. Um, so like, it's it's much different. I feel like the the artists essential like kind of dance we have to do these days is much mm -hmm. different than it used to be. You know, like with social media, things are are pushed to a point where it's even it's even catered towards people that kind of put work out every day on a social media standpoint. Um, in terms of a, getting a job or or being represented in in the industry where people are getting noticed of you, um, it's a little bit easier than most people might think, and it's just yeah. showing understanding of design and ideas. If you have a portfolio full of stuff that shows, you know, critical thinking and shows that, you know, you have iteration and that you can think about a thing mm -hmm. and, and, you know, really dive deep into it and try to understand a subject matter, that goes a really long way because that tells me that, you know, you are looking to try to understand the subject so that we can get the best out of a thing. And that means a whole lot when you're working on a game with a whole team of people and you're, you know, kind of like a piece in a, in a pipeline. Um, now, in terms of like if, you know, you're looking to be more commercialized where, you know, social media and yourself, you know, self-promoting artists like somebody like Ross Draws that has like a Patreon and stuff like that, um, that kind of lifestyle is a little bit different for an artist where, I'm sure you know, like you have to keep up on that stuff every day. Um, mm -hmm. You've got to create content constantly and and be present with trends and how things are working. And if that's a lifestyle you're you're good with, then by all means, like enjoy that. Like it's 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 an everyday thing. Where as for a studio artist like myself, it's a it's a little bit different. It's it's more diving into. Um, the subject matter of things and showing that you can think about any given project with a with a thorough eye got it so along those lines if we're talking to concept artists that are just 
trying to get that first job. Um, mm -hmm. What do we need to have in our portfolio? I think in in a portfolio there should there should be a lot of um, and this this is depending on you know what position you go for. But so let's just say, for instance, if you're you're a character concept artist, yeah, um, I want to you know I'd like to see um, good iteration, having having good iteration over a solid solid idea. Um, sometimes you know you don't need a ton of ideas, but you know, having multiple ideas shows me that you're thinking about a thing okay. uh, and showing your process because we as artists and, you know, that's who's going to be interviewing you most times. We all want to see what's behind the, you know, the curtain. So everybody has a different process and that's what we're all interested in. So always showing that and, you know, be able to talk through that process, always a spectacular thing. Um, more often than not, if you're a very solid artist and you can show that you can think um, through a project and contribute, you know, solid ideas, um, you're going to receive really good feedback. Um, and, you know, a lot of times it will secure you a job. Hmm. What about figure drawings and things like that that somebody might have done in school? Are those useful on the portfolio? Those not so much. Those are yeah. things I would definitely leave out. Um, you know, there's a time and place for academic stuff. And by all means, like, if somebody asks to see, like, hey, like, you've got any of your academic stuff you might have done? Of course, you know, show those things. But those are not necessarily what's going to be useful in, you know, an employer getting you into a position. Yeah. Um, their, their primary goal is to see how you can help support the project you know they need you to work on got it um how'd you get so good at faces these look great <laughs> i appreciate it man um it's it's one of those things that like you know i i learned early on that i would always do characters i used to love characters a great deal mm -hmm. and people would always go for the face and I'd put so much time into a cool costume or, you know, an extra weapon or, you know, oh, he has this jetpack, and nobody would ever look at it. The first thing they would look at, oh, face. <laughs> so it was, it was just one of those things that I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make them look at everything. And then, well, even now they still just look at the face. So <laughs> I could, I could never win. So, I don't know. I've always been really fascinated with portraits because I feel like if you can do portraits, um, everything else kind of becomes a little bit easier in, in my perspective. It's such a, a subtle thing. There's so many subtleties and transitions and form changes that if you get good at manipulating those, you can manipulate pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. What's the hardest part of the face for you? Oh, man, it's... It's easily got to be the eyes. Like mm -hmm. nail the eyes is it's just one of those things because again, that's another thing that people just look for, um, and always like a a distinguishing feature. So like if you have a particular character that you know you want them to look a little bit different, have something that's very distinct about them, decided on what that thing is, or trying to make it look distinguishing without making it just look incredibly weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's that's the most difficult thing. I understand that. Um, George is asking uh, 
does it help for somebody to get on the trending page of ArtStation? Have you found ArtStation to be like a, a valuable part of the, the whole career getting a job process? So I will say that, you know, it, ArtStation is an amazing tool. And I want to say most art directors, most artists inside of a studio, they all look at ArtStation. And it's, yeah. you know, I myself check ArtStation every day. And I just, you know, I'm always looking to see what other people are doing. Um, whether you're on the trending page or not, I don't know if that if that's a, a thing of importance. Of course, like if it's trending, it gets more visibility. Always a great thing. Mm -hmm. um, but if you if you you know that shouldn't be your goal. I don't think that should be your goal. I think the goal is if you have very solid work, it's you'll get there. People will find you, and if you do good work, people will find you. And there's been plenty of times where, you know, I've interviewed a candidate and, you know, his I've never seen him on the trending page, but, you know, their work was great. And that that type of thing just, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter as much. It's kind of uh, kind of, you know, inconsequential in the grand scheme of things, because once you see the work and the work's good, then that's what matters. Mm -hmm. But um whether it's popular or not i wouldn't worry about those types of things got it um is there something in a job interview that an artist can do or say that just really screws it up like changes the tone <laughs> like a big no-no for us <laughs> oh man um there's definitely things uh i've definitely experienced those things um but mostly it's like, you know, just be cool and be honest and, and try to have fun with people. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, if, you know, a studio is contacting you to come in for an interview or if you're, you know, going in for an interview period, it's because like they appreciate the skills you have. And, you know, there's obviously a possibility that you can contribute to the team somehow. Mm -hmm. And they want to see what type of person you are. See if you can work well with others. And, you know, most of the time a team wants to get a feel to see if, like, we'll all work together and, you know, everybody has a good vibe with each other. Because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's working together as a team. And as artists, we're always discussing stuff, you know, that can, you know, unlike other occupations, this is a job that can feel a little personal because it's somebody's judging your work, you know. Mm -hmm. and it's it's the thing that's always on display. So that's really what it's about, just kind of feeling out the individual as a person um, on a very high level, especially if you're already in the interview and, and your work is, is really solid. Your work got you there. Now it's just, is it going to be a cool next couple of years? Yeah, exactly. Like, can we, can we really sit here and, you know, not to say that we joke all the time, but it's a big part of, you know, building a good team is having good chemistry and being able yeah. to, you know, get along with everybody. That's got to be hard to discern in a job interview when there's so much tension, right? Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. And in the interviews I've been in, it's not an easy thing to do. But knowing if you go into an interview, knowing that, you know, hey, look, I'm here because they like my work. Um, they know I do good work, but they just want to know, am I a good person? And do I respect other people and want to help as much as I can? That's what I show. And and if you can do that, then everything should be good. Cool.
All right, man. That is so awesome, Dave, man. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. We're right there at about an hour, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I really mm -hmm. appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us. Of course, man. Anytime, dude. I really appreciate you reaching out, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, guys, you know where to find him, artstation.com slash D-Kino, K-E-E-N-O. And uh, so give him a follow over there. And uh, Dave, man, thanks. Thanks so much, dude. All right, take care. For you too, buddy. All right, see you. See you. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com. To learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.